0: Welcome to the next in the series of the GIGCX Decoded podcast. This is brought to you by Limitless. I'm the uh, I'm the host. My name's Chris. I've got the, the job of uh, Chief Sales and Marketing Officer here at The Good Ship Limitless. And the objective of this podcast, as always, is to just help provide more information and education. And the way that we do that is to bring on people to this podcast that are far cleverer than myself. And Today is no exception, and not just one person on this podcast. We've doubled up. So uh we're really pleased to welcome uh Vinay and Julian from McKinsey. Um, and in case anybody doesn't know who McKinsey are, um, I can't imagine anyone listening to this had never heard of McKinsey, but you know, common referred to as the, the oldest and most established management consultancy firm, one of the big three. Um, I think you, nearly a hundred years um in 10 years as a, as a business. So, Vinay, uh, Julian, welcome to the show. Lovely to have you here. Thank you for making the time.
1: Thanks a lot. Um, actually, we are very pleased that you invited us. And um, yeah, we're we very um, excited also about the topic about GeekCX. And that's why, um, yeah, very looking much forward to the next 20 minutes.
0: Gustav. So what, I'm, what I've what i just noticed there, which is different to all the other podcasts I've done, because we've got two people, is I need to make sure I, I say, <laughs> 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 Julian, over to you, or Vinay, over to you. So we'll, uh, there we go. There's a nod to me as we get through this. So I'll make sure that we uh, we do that to make to make this conversation flow a bit more. But before we go into sort of the questions, so Vinay, um, you're currently in Boston. We were just having a chat offline about um, GIG, and it sounds like you're a, you're a massive proponent of the GIG economy as well, but it's a, it's great to have you on the show. Perhaps you can just give a quick introduction to, to you and, and your role at McKinsey. Yeah, sure.
2: Thanks, Chris, for having me. Uh, I'm a senior expert based out of Boston, uh, been with the firm for uh, more than 10 years now. Most of my work is in the customer care space, uh, where I help organizations transform their contact center by bringing new, uh, new and innovative thinking. Uh, so very excited about this podcast as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Brilliant. And Julian, yourself, quick intro, be great.
1: Absolutely. Um, actually, I lead uh, in Europe in the service operations practice, all our work around customer engagement and customer operations. And I'm partner with McKinsey, joined 2005. And uh, when I say service operations practice, actually you said uh, McKinsey Management Consulting. We're actually very much known for classic strategy, but mm. no, only few people know that about 30 to 35% of what we do as a firm today is operations work. Right. It can be manufacturing, but in our case, service operations, so especially how to interact with customers, everything mm. from the digital journey until like really how to set up and enable agents and call center people to deliver great
0: experiences. End to end. Wow. Well, I guess at the moment, as we as we stand here today, we are, where are we? We're on the 8th of February, check my calendar, and right in the middle of what uh, we'll probably look back on in years to come as the big sort of technology layoff, right? We're seeing thousands and thousands of, uh, of, of people being let go from some of the big technology firms, the pressure that's putting on to uh, organisations to continue to operate to still provide service, to try and differentiate, we are uh, riding the wave. I think of the first announcement of Chat GPT has come into everyone's vocabulary and the impact that this might have. So, anyone listening to this, this is, this is where we're at right now, and who knows where we'll be in, in months to come. But um, so, Vinay, um, let me let me come to you first. So, um, what are the big things that are affecting? the CX industry right now? What, what what would you say to that? Yeah,
2: sure, Chris, thanks for asking this. Uh, I think there are multiple uh, trends that are impacting, right? Uh, and three comes to my mind. One is about uh, the level of complexity and number of interactions that, that are increasing over the years, right? Everyone thought uh, contact centers is gonna be a dead channel, but the reality is opposite of that we are seeing more and more people interacting with cortex Center, be it live channel, be it digital channels. So even mm-hmm. live interaction has gone up. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then not only just the interaction, the complexity of those interaction also has gone up significantly, because as more people interact on digital channels, uh, their simple queries are being answered right now through digital, but they have more technically or complex inquiries that requires mm-hmm. a human being. So, so the complexity has gone up. Right. So that is theme number one or trend number one. Uh, Second trend we are seeing, as you articulated, Chris, uh, there's a uh, there's a really emphasis on talent. Most of the mm. industry is struggling with talent. Uh, it's uh, People are finding it hard to onboard people, train people, even retain a lot of em- uh, employees as well. So, so that is the second big theme across all the contact center, be it BPOs, be it in-house, uh, everyone is just going through it. And the th- that third uh, theme I would just say is uh, uh, use of these next generation operating model powered by some of these AI tools, right? Uh, so, for example, think about uh, think about uh, a new way of workforce management, which gig is core part of it. Mm-hmm. Think about a new way of agent coaching, which people have started mm-hmm. to which things like speech analytics, uh, real-time uh, coaching. So, there's mm-hmm. just too much going on. So, so, in my view, just to summarize, talent, increased complexity of interactions, and new operating model is the uh, big
0: takeaways new stuff um julian your, your perspective um to be as
1: i think Vinny covered it very well um i think the the core element is when you go about a year back and uh, we look into what happened during COVID. Right, we we see that a lot of customer interaction changed on the one hand side We see that um, more digitalization of businesses did not lead to less contact volumes, but to higher contact volumes. We saw that certain elements um, came into getting to more spiky call volumes and so on. And these effects actually led to new ways how companies started thinking about um how to deploy workforce Mm. how to go um and uh, use technology as an enabler to exactly Mm. tackle these kind of topics
0: great well i mean that's a it's a good segue into my next question actually so Vino, you mentioned there that you've seen contacts uh increasing the complexity increasing the difficulties in finding talent onboarding talent and keeping talent in a world where there's more pressure on on costs and and the complexity of questions coming through is increasing and there are the back end of this there being this um new technology that's coming on board and so you've got on one hand you've got more contacts more complexity difficulty finding the people and on the other hand you've got the the advancements in technology which is there to try and help the people or to even automate some of those things mm-hmm. how, how do you see gig cx playing uh playing a role within that in, in you know against those sort of challenges or those trends
2: yeah thanks Chris. i think uh gig CX, uh, cx is going to play a huge role right uh I, I, as you articulated uh as the demand is changing and and the volatility of demand is much higher now as compared to the any period we lived in uh, you need to have a supply or workforce which can meet that demand uh, mm. And then, if you just think about gig CX, uh, it enables organizations to have right people at the right time uh, by leveraging mm-hmm. a network of people, uh, which are not just doing eight to five uh, kind of shift. Uh, mm-hmm. So, in my view, gig CX will play a huge role in this space.
0: Um, yeah, I, th- I think the 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 feedback we um, we consistently hear is that. With the with the customers with the the, the the customers we deal with, their products are increasing in terms of um as more technology advances, with that comes more complexity and, and more, you know, it's best described as sort of interoperability, right? So all these more and more products that, that hit the market, the the ecosystems that they work in, so all of the other things they connect to. So whether it's headphones, whether it's gaming, whether it's a smart fridge or anything, they they all need to connect to things in order to work. So you, you you end up with more devices, more potential things that could unplug or things not work. And you you, know, you end up generating more and more contact volumes as a result of these things. And some of those things are very hard to predict. So w- when you talk about um, this being a, a an, another way to provide resource, how do you see, um, how do you see GIGCX playing a role within the forecasting and scheduling? So within the workforce management area. So I'm a business and I'm thinking about my long-term forecasts for next year, for the remaining of this year. How, how should they think about GIGCX playing a role within that? Let me, let me take the role. Yes. I mean,
1: for me, GIGCX is a new way how to balance my workload on how to deploy resources and people on demand. Um, yeah. And for example, some of my clients, they will um, put uh, X next as a third layer, more or less, to their resource base. They have on the one side yeah. they have internal resources you know, that they can plan, and that is always the base load, more or less, that they have. Because there, they have the competencies. They have also second and third level there. This is the core, more or less, right? the foundation. And then on top of that, they have a certain level of third party, but that also need to announce with quite some leeway. Typically, when we look into, because you asked for workforce management, we look into different cycles, right? We have the long-term planning, the midterm planning. And in the midterm planning, you already have very early in that process to tell the outsourcing providers, what kind of skills do you need? When do you need them? What are the after hours and so on? And also very often still a lot of the outsourcing providers are in the classic model, not in the gig CX model also have typically eight hour shifts, sometimes part Hmm. shifts, but not a lot of flexibility. And then comes the reality. Yeah. And the reality hits not like two months before, or even two years before, but the reality hits in the day or probably the day before. And the question is how to react to that. Yeah. And that's why a lot of my clients found GixieX X a solution, especially to, um, to react into um, circumstances that they could not predict on the long-term. So what they do is they have a very fluent Gixi um, layer on top. Where they have also people working potentially two hour shifts, three mm. hour shifts, four and six other shift models that otherwise it's very, very difficult also to deploy. Mm. and uh, also often very flexible. For example, one of my clients, they have a Geek CX workforce where they have five thousand people in there that they more or less like in a day still can ask if they can join if there's something going wrong. For example, one of my telco clients, if uh, so if an area is down and the IP network died, in this moment, typically a call volume spike as hell, mm. and they can pull them in. But also in the planning, even if a little bit like more clear and more predictable things, like for example, supermarkets yeah, or uh, tech stores. Right. What we yeah. see there is often as on Monday morning, 9, 10 o'clock, when they're before when they open or mm. shortly before they open, we see huge spikes like five times higher than mm. during the normal day. What they have done in the past is they just ignored it and took the hit on service level. But right. now with GeekCX, they are able to go and have people exactly planned in for a very short period of time of two hours where yeah. they really are able and to handle this workload and to help the people who understand opening hours, product availability, total different customer experience.
0: Mm. Yeah, The, the um, it's a really interesting point around the flexibility that... Yeah, there's there's a number of benefits to GigCX, and we'll try not to make this a sales pitch. Um, but but one of the uh, the benefits that our customers talk about is the the ability to absorb additional planned or even unplanned volume. But because in a in a fixed model, as as you'll be acutely aware, you know you you have people working eight hour shifts, and there's a productivity element to that. There's only so much percentage you can get out of them being um, being productive. You know, typically anything more than eighty percent is when you've got someone that's working too much. You know, they're there, but then they, you don't want them working less than sixty percent because you're not utilizing them as, as much as possible. So you're trying to find that middle ground. But mm-hmm. when you then inject uh, moments where there might be downtime, and then you've got a spike in volume. There's only so much that fixed model can absorb with overtime or trying to get a bit more out of them, whereas gig is like the analogy of Uber drivers going to an airport. Right when there are loads of flights coming in, there are loads of Uber drivers ready to take you, or Lyft drivers, or you know other you know, able to take you where you want to go. If there are no flights coming in, then they, they'll go and do something else. But you don't you don't have to suffer the penalty of unproductive hours or take the hit on service level there's that elasticity in it which i'm which i find fascinating but i'm always interested to hear and, and you know from how people would consider this when they're planning for it you know if you think the the old ways of wfm planning is you need to put into a model whether it's erlang c or simulation based forecasting to say this is the amount of you know demand we think is going to come in here is how my how many people i need in your shifts <clears throat> How how do you how how does a WFM planner think about GigCX in that world? Because they they might be thinking about, in their old world, they're thinking shifts, they're thinking people, they're thinking resources. How how do you coach people to to think about GigCX from, from uh, forecasting? I don't know who wants that one. Vinay, is that for you?
2: Yeah, I can take this one. Uh, so Chris, I think your point is right, right? So forecasting is becoming increasingly complex these days. Uh, go are the ways that you can rely on your historical data and try to predict the uh, the future exactly with ninety five percent accuracy or ninety eight percent accuracy. Every organization we are working with struggling with uh, predicting the future contact volume. Mm. Um, and then uh, some of the recommendation we first of all make is just try to understand the ecosystem, uh, not just rely on historical contact volume, try to understand what are the broader trends that are happening within customer preferences, customer adoptions of their digital channels, just to make it first a little bit more better, right? So mm-hmm. that testing, uh can be more accurate at a monthly level, daily level, or even at an interval level, right? So that is the first part. But the second part, we always recommend our, uh, our clients is just to have that flexibility because your forecasting is not gonna be 100% accurate. Even if you try, ha- you have all the data in the world uh, and you have all the right techniques. And that's mm-hmm. where I think, uh, some gig CX could play a really important role because mm. as you think about if your Mondays you predicted with a 90% accuracy, there's just still that 10% part, which you don't know what volume might yeah. mean, right? Even it could be on day of the week, it could be on day of the month, uh, it could be on month of the year, right? Depending on which industry you are in. Uh, so, so I think every organization needs to buffer in that additional capacity, which could be deployed. Uh, on a moment's notice, uh, some organizations do have that visibility a little bit. So for example, let's talk about a uh, a retail company, uh, which would probably see a high spikes during Christmas or, or, or New Year, uh, they would know that they need to have a lot many more people to handle those contact volume on a short notice. But mm. at the same time, they still don't know what that volume might look like, because every year has been different. Yeah. Uh, so that's where we, we recommend uh, and suggest our clients. Uh, to, to kind of take into account that flexibility while designing their scheduling and
0: planning i, I feel um the, the wfm planners i mean how they they like said that what, what's what's um what's certain is things are becoming more unpredictable so how they can you know be able and its thing is it's not, not just making decisions on the fly like on the day intraday management it's also well you know how i've got to think about how many people i'm going to need in if it, you know the average onboarding time to productivity might you know is typically six weeks 10 weeks you know you're in, you're in that sort of time frame how to to right oh, we've got to start recruiting we've got to start onboarding you got to deal with attrition at the same time and then bring them on it, i take my hat off to anyone that's a, a wfm planner I've, I've got a question for you which is probably one i should have asked at the front but i'm always in, intrigued by this which is um Julian, i'm going to come to you for this one if um so you 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 meet someone and someone say and, and they ask you a question which is what is GigCX? How do you how would you describe to somebody what GigCX is?
1: <laughs> That's a very very good
0: question actually. Uh, for me to
1: put it simply, in a customer care context, uh, replicating the on-demand model and translate into GigCX. Specifically, there are two main mo- uh, models uh, that we see. It is in the end about having people. Who have a certain capability to deliver yeah. calls, organized ideally through a digital platform that enables them to deliver their services. And, as a, and that's why when I compare, I compare very much into with you mentioned, um, Hailwright. Yeah, I think they are also similars for handyman yeah. work. Yeah, there are some for cleaning. Yeah, so it for me it's in a, it's a way how to tap resources that we would normally not be able to tap. other way right so uh, we have people who have the ability for example to deliver very specific capabilities also in a contact center for example Mm. maybe uh, one of my client was looking to um, consult on games because they're a huge Mm. media chain and they had all of these kind of games but they couldn't like educate every person on uh, every kind of game and so they were looking for experts and they found actually quite some in the gaming Uh, um, gaming community. So they found people who went into with a Gixie X model while they were not gaming and so on, while they wanted to earn some money and they had two, three, four hours, they were saying, okay, I'm consulting other people in the community on games. Yeah. and that's these these kind of people without geek CX, they would not have been approachable because they wouldn't have most likely gone to a contact center or even probably every day worked eight hours in a row yeah with some break in the middle like in a mm-hmm. classic call center environment and tapping these kind of capabilities is interesting and um, the second part of is um, there are people who are much more flexible, who want to work certain hours, yeah. but who don't want to have these like very clear eight hour shift the students, for example, where mm. they have some kind of lectures, but when the lectures actually are changed week by week. So they can't commit every day. I come for five hours somewhere, but this could be a very interesting resource. The 5,000 that I mentioned, for example, had been a lot of students. Them. and yes yep, you yep. have to train them you have to onboard them and so on but also um, on the attrition game it's not so difficult to keep them because they stay in your universe and you offer them work and then they uh, they come and work and probably the, the third element is that we often forget is it's not only about external people that we bring into this and it can also be actually already actual employees mm-hmm. for example mm-hmm. one of my banking clients they found that in the branches they didn't have all the workload Mm. for the whole day that they needed all the people that are in the branch system but what they should do in a branch they can do some paperwork but not very effective so what they did is and but on the other hand side they had really capabilities on sales and consulting and so on and so they built a cx internal cx model where people could like uh, were Mm. more scheduled into a flexible model, but not for many hours, but typically one, one and a half hours, two hours for specific tasks, for specific knowledge that they have that potentially no one else in the company had. And so they could provide it remotely from the place, in the work environment, in the flow of work. And this is only able through these kind of Gixi syncing.
0: Yeah. Uh, What was the, I'm interested in that. That sounds fascinating. What's been the, the, What's been the feedback from those that are doing that additional work?
1: Actually, uh, it was um, mostly positive. Uh, you always have mixed, right? But uh, when I talk to people, 90% um, liked it. Why? Yeah. Because it was a different experience. It also like took them out of the context that they are always yeah, in the mm. way how they work normally into providing something um, on top of that to customers. And typically the people in branches are typically very customer oriented and they felt they can do something, something positive on top of that, they felt valued because they were asked specifically for their knowledge, for the specific knowledge that they could share. So they found, okay, I have something valuable to contribute, which is so special that I'm based that I'm in the system. So most feedback was positive 10% potential said, Oh, it's additional workload potentially I would have uh, made a break or something like that. But
0: the absolute majority of people loved it. Uh, you, you've, I mean, that's brilliant. That's, that's. I love to hear those sorts of things because they, they echo. I mean, the the feedback we get as well from the experts It's not just the flexibility; it's the, it's the contribution that people can can bring. And you know, you're talking around students as an example. When we, um, you know, every year we bring out, uh, you know, an annual report which. Um, yeah, the next one's due in a in a few months or so. But when we do that, we 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 send a survey to to the expert community, and we ask a whole bunch of questions. Right? Mm-hmm. It Always amazes us about what level of qualification they've got, how many languages they speak, and what well, they do. But the the one thing we're always asking is, what is it? What do you do mostly? You know, and stay-at-home parents, students, retirees, others that are doing full-time work, like you mentioned, your client there, they're doing yeah. this as a bit of a side hustle. So it's it's it democratizes the whole way in which work is delivered. And I've always got this catchphrase of, you know, don't stop trying to take people to work, send the work to the people that there's, you can broadcast the work in a different way. And the contribution that people get from it is that feeling of worth and that value, like you mentioned, that they're doing something that they can clearly see as a direct correlation to helping they're not just on a conveyor belt they're not just on a hamster wheel where they come in spend time and go home they're being asked to come and do something specific because they've been able to demonstrate a certain set of skills or they're already a customer and i will be fascinated again by this this advancement in <clears throat> having customers helping customers a hey, they've already chosen to be in this world where loyalty is so liquid these days, you know, all of the companies where you offer a, you, you have your relationship with them is typically subscription based, or you can, you can pivot to another organization so quickly. So loyalty is really hard to to hold onto. And one of the ways you can do that is by, is, you know, is your relationship with, with them. So you say, well, look, you've chosen to be a customer of ours. So uh, playstation for example one of one of our clients mm-hmm. right there millions and millions of, of of gamers out there and they've already so they've chosen to be a playstation uh gamer mm-hmm. and uh and then they're saying we also would like you to uh, enroll to become a playstation brand ambassador to help other playstation customers mm-hmm. so th- there's this wonderful circular economy effect which is the expert gamers are then helping other gamers they're far less likely to go onto another platform so they're far more likely to stay they're far more likely to advocate to other people friends and family when you're thinking about nps scores as well it's hard to measure the long long term but it just makes sense from that side but i think what you've what you've mentioned there about giving people something that makes them feel valued in today's world is, is liquid gold. Um, yeah. And I think, it, I think it's brilliant. Um, next question I have for you. Uh, Vinny, I'm going to come to you for this one. Um, so we, we talk about, and, and I'm very guilty of this as well. And, and we and roll Gig CX off the tongue all the time. Um, but I'm aware um, that the gig can have, has, can sometimes have a bit of a stigma in the industry. Um, what What's your What's your take on that? Do you think it has a stigma, and and what's your thoughts around people's perception of the word gig?
2: Yeah, so I, I think uh, times are changing, uh, Chris. Right? Uh, it it used to be uh, when people think about gig, uh, gig, they used to think about low-paying jobs, uh, yep. uh, limited salaries, uh, limited skills, those kind of things, right? Uh, but as we were just going through this discussion, uh, I'm hope our I hope our audience is realizing it's not about uh, any kind of payment or low low paying jobs, or it's not about no skills. It's all about meeting the demand uh, in in a, in a very flexible way, right? And that demand can come from any particular way. We, we have seen examples of uh, contact centers hiring a lot of skilled agents uh, to meet, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and sometimes these skilled agents uh, need lot of expertise uh to kind of to reach to a level so that they can cater to the customer's demand right so so uh, so what i'm seeing is uh there, there's a change in the mindset uh, uh and it's a journey uh so now people are realizing uh that over the time uh, gig will become more and more prominent uh and then hopefully uh the stigma will go away
0: so what, what i'm hearing there i'll come to you um in fact julian come oh, up you, you you love your perspective on that no,
1: absolutely. I think the, the key challenge that is there is um, to overcome the challenges of the system. Yeah? Uh-huh. Because when you look at GeekCX, obviously it has also some yeah, also some some downsides to manage. Let's frame it like that. Yeah, uh-huh. One is surely security, data security, privacy, and so on. Especially when I talk to my banking clients and saying, oh, this is really difficult because I uh-huh. spread so much information to people that um, to more people than before. And so I need to put even more rigorous uh, mechanisms in place. It doesn't mean that it's not working because work from home is also possible. Um, And if work from home generally is possible for many organizations, why shouldn't be But. Still, there's a little bit like the feeling I can't control these people as good as I can control the people that I have mm. full on my employee list. That's one thing to manage and also to overcome when you communicate and when you discuss about it. Mm. The second part is surely still on the as Winnie said it. The world is getting more, and you also said it by the way. The world getting more complex. Mm. We see um, home automation coming. Telcos go into mm. connecting fridges. Uh, together uh, with your dishwasher and so on. So a complete new complexity of things that you want to manage. And Mm -hmm. so um, many clients ask, hey, we invest up to three, four, five months into every of our employees to get them up to speed to really know everything about or answer on the phone. Um, Why should I invest it in people who only work two hours here, five hours there, and where I'm not sure how long they will stay with me? And I always tell them, look, in today's world of attrition, It's also not that the employees will stay with you for multiple Mm. years. We Mm. see a lot of BPO providers having 180% attrition. Wow. So annually. uh? So uh, this means you also have a very short period of time and you have to be more profound in training. And the second part is technology will help or is already helping to, on the one hand side, speed up the whole learning experience for people, so the onboarding, and on the other hand side is also augmenting people with information, with for example having smart chatbots where they can ask questions and get get answers very quickly. So there is an opportunity, and certainly as already said, it's not only about having flexible and cheap workforce. It is actually also having experts very spiky on a certain period of time that you can attach. So actually, Mm. it might be even the answer to the problem and not one of the challenges. And this, But but these kind of things we have to discuss because it's not as intuitive in the first moment. Everybody Mm. understands ride hail because what you need to do, you need to be able to drive. Everybody understands food delivery because in the end, you need to pick up food and deliver something. So your, your competence is also a little more like Being able to drive and probably ride a bike and so on. Here, you need to have much more. But that's a part of GeekCX. GeekCX is also people providing expertise through online platforms on demand. Yeah, very highly Mm -hmm. paid people. Mm -hmm. And so there's a whole range. And we are here in the the customer care environment, somewhere in the middle layer, where there is an expertise-based game.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, what I've heard there is, uh, you know, going back to what you said at the start, but, you know, um, great from your perspective, Julian, is that the perceptions have changed around gig being originally people thought this was just a low cost labor market alternative. Now it's becoming a bit more synonymous with finding the right talent. And that's if that's a mind shift and the benefit that that can bring from your point, Julian, is, is absolutely, you know, from our perspective as well, spot on. So I guess, you know, as we approach the end of this, I'll be interested in your uh, personal or professional opinion, really, about where you think Gig CX, what the future is? Do you think, uh, and I guess um, perhaps to uh, help frame that, do you think it's going to go and do you think it's going to stay? Do you think it's going to, or do you think it's going to grow? What what would you, what was your perspective on that? Julian, I'll come to you first. I can tell you my personal
1: uh, opinion. <laughs> and yeah. uh, my personal opinion is that it will grow. Okay. It's actually... Um, we are still at a point where people start understanding and digesting the opportunities that you have through GeekCX. Right. And uh, it provides so many answers um, on challenges that we see today Mm. that I would be extremely surprised. On top of that, also when you look around and when you look at circular economy, when you look at um, how um, also work behaviors and work preferences are changing with more flexibility, and so on you will also find an increasing amount of people who want to work in such an environment yeah. and that's why and when you look at the increasing demand and on a willingness to supply i believe it will grow Pinay, what do you think yeah
2: because i also believe it's gonna grow uh i think uh there were earlier a couple of years back there were barriers to the adoption mm. of kcx which were related to let's say technology challenges uh, that now most of the organization had overcome how mm. to make people work from home right uh, uh, now more and more people want to uh, have flexibility in their life uh, be it even full-time employee they want to have flexibility in their life so that they can work whenever they want so seeing those kind of trends uh, i'm pretty positive that uh, it's going to grow because demand is there, and at the same time, uh, the discussion we had around this ton of volatility in the demand that's happening, mm. uh, and it's going to just increase more and more as we go into the uncertain mm. future. Uh, so by that, all of these circumstances would lead to more adoption of GIGCX.
0: Fantastic. Well... We we could talk for hours around this, and you can you can sense a passion from both sides of the uh, the screen here around what what it can do, and you know that's that's why I'm here, right? You know, yeah, we're, I'm a big advocate of this model myself. Um, so it, you know, I, I've I've heard lots of great things there, and, and it, you, clearly this is the conversations you're having with your with your customers. I can hear the your your predictions are the contacts are um, are increasing, the complexity is increasing, the Um, volatility on demand the pressures on attrition within organizations is putting the pressure on traditional systems but on the other side you've got people wanting to work in this way people now being more able to work in this way with the advancement of technology that's allowing people to work in this freelancer economy and the, the wonderful aspects of all of that and you're Sounds like your predictions are that it's gonna gonna grow, and I hope it, I hope it does for obvious reasons. But that's why we're in this game. But uh, it's been a fascinating um, conversation. I really appreciate your both of your inputs. Um, it's often difficult to do these with 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 two because I have to flick between the two. But hopefully that's been a good conversation. And to anyone listening, how would they be able to get hold of you to learn any more, Julian? you want to give some credits, and how do they get hold of you? Um, also I think the easiest way to connect with us is either through LinkedIn.
1: Yeah, both of us are there and we're also publishing frequently on the most relevant topics. For example, just recently on um, busting myths on contact center operations um, yeah. or yeah. through mckinsey.com where we also published an article on Gixi recently. And um, so um, there's also our contact details. And we always look forward to people who want to discuss and who have perspectives uh, because I think it's an amazing topic and you see also this side of the screen like being extremely interested and mm. very also curious to different opinions and that's why uh, we are always open for people reaching out actually look forward for people reaching out to us
0: yeah and it sounds like you're you're well established to help people on their gig cx journey if people are interested in what to do how to look at it how to embed it in their organizations technically as well as from a service perspective so anyone's interested in that they can come to you and no doubt you'll you'll help them on the on the journey so it's been a great conversation and i really appreciate both of your time um these things are you know time is precious and and are, you know your perspectives are really valuable to anyone listening as we go on. um we'll be publishing the, the show notes and people can download this and then anyone listening wants to find out more they can go to mckinsey.com or they can go to limitlesstech.com and um and we look forward to um The next show will bring on more people that have their perspectives on this uh, wonderful industry that we're all in. But for now, Vinay, Julian, thank you for your time and uh, I wish you the best for the rest of your day. Thank you very much for hosting us. Yeah, thank you so much. Mm -hmm.